0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 131 of For the Love of Guns. Today, we're going to give you a look under the hood of what really runs the firearms industry. It's marketing and content creation. And my guest today is Cole from Team POI. Now, I met Cole at SHOT and also through one of his customers. And um, I really like his story. He's got a great story about where he started. He started off going right into the military right after high school, came out, worked just about everything in the firearms industry before he created Team POI, and he helps companies with, well, marketing and getting their message out. He also has a podcast, and he also owns a firearms company. So he's a really great guy, really great message, and I really enjoyed having this conversation with him, and I think you're going to like it too. Now, this episode is brought to you by Falco Holsters. Falco Holsters is doing it the old-fashioned way, by hand. That's the way they love to make their holsters. Someone has their hands and they're making that holster for you. And there's just nothing like the quality that comes out of that. Sure, machines can do a pretty good job, but a human can feel those defects and fix them. Go check out Falco Holsters because they can make a holster for any gun, every budget without sacrificing quality and if you use the checkout code Banshee, you'll save 10% on your. Now this episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. We're gun people. We use ammo. But did you know that you could use ammo as an investment? That's right. You can invest in copper jacketed lead. They have a great platform over there to buy your ammo and they'll store it for you at their climate controlled and insured facility. Go check out AmoSquared. I have a link for them down below. Cole, tell me about your love of guns.
1: Uh, yeah, my name's Cole Kornberg. I've been in this industry for, I don't know, it's been a while. Um, I don't know, it's been 2010 maybe, 2009, 2010. Started off, uh, my well, I started off you know, growing up in rural areas. Utah where we hunted and, you know, we kind of did our thing. My dad was a big hunter and I tried to kind of follow in his footsteps, went into the military after his footsteps and my uncles and everybody else spent between active duty and national guard. I spent about eight and a half years in. Um, and then uh, I got hired on as at Barnes. Now this was right as Barnes sold to Remington. So I kind of came in oh, wow. the leading edge of that. That whole mess. But um, I spent the next six or seven years in the ballistics lab at Barnes. So we worked on special projects, military projects, um, ballistics, ammo, uh, you name it. I was the lab armor for a few years. So I worked on all the the rifles and all the test equipment that we had. And, um, I was the guy that ordered everything, you know, so we had a good budget to where we could kind of do everything. And that's where I kind of started to understand and meet everybody in the industry because I was constantly buying stuff from everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I got laid off from there after on their first big layoff. Um and I was like the hell with this. I'm not I'm not gonna put my my eggs all in that basket anymore. Um so I started my company. Um uh, I worked for Voodoo Gunworks. If everybody know who Voodoo is, I was the very first sales marketing uh, director oh, wow. of sales and marketing. So I helped get Voodoo off the ground, uh, you know, put them on the social media map, got all their PR and marketing rolling, um, you know, just went crazy uh, from there. And then, you know, I, I've helped a lot of other brands within the industry, whether it be through marketing and PR, or whether it just be through consulting on building new projects or products and stuff like that. And now I still own Team POI. I own. Another one called Long Range Tactics, which is a podcast slash um, forum slash it's a little bit of everything. And then I own uh, another company called Straight Jacket Armory. And we own another one called, uh, it's a it's a property management business. So we're just busy as hell all the time now. Because so
0: you, you guys like, you just like spread right out. So before we go any further, further thank you so much for your service. I really appreciate you serving and, and all the work that you've done. Um and then no, you went into Barnes. Mm-hmm. Now Barnes is right there in Utah, correct?
1: Yep. I moved my house
0: right off I right right. fifteen there.
1: Yep, I moved my house down here. So in Mona, Utah. It's almost right directly in the middle of the state of Utah. So yeah. So it was uh Barnes was originally created by Randy and Connie Brooks, and they moved it down here and built a nice new um building and it's got underground ranges. We had the cool thing about it is we had a an underground hundred yard range, an underground three hundred yard range, wow. an underground uh, fifty yard range. So I did a lot of shooting. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna die of cancer one of these days from all the gunpowder <laughs> I have. <laughs> because I, you
0: know, I pass that building every year when I go down to shot. Because you know, from being I'm up here in Helena, Montana, so I just hit I-15, and mm-hmm. then I don't get off of I-15 until I hit Vegas. Right. Because um, Barnes is on that what uh, east side of right. I-15 there.
1: Yeah, and it was you so funny. Like, you, yeah,
0: if if you look at that building, it's so you wouldn't think that there's that much there. Mm. It's kind of it, you're like, okay, all oh, cool, it's barns, and then you you wouldn't think that there's underground ranges or anything there.
1: Yeah, if you look behind the building's kind of built back towards the mountain, and all the ranges are in the back in the mountain on the side, and they've done a lot of it's it's cool because we we worked on a lot of special military projects where they needed indoor long range ranges to test the stuff. And the cool thing about our 300-yard range is when Randy and those guys developed it, the shooting position's low, and the range actually crawls or climbs. So as you shoot and it drops, you, you don't ever hit the ceiling or anything, which is kind of neat. That
0: is really cool. Because you usually think it's just going to be a, a tube going straight down.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I wouldn't, You wouldn't think it. That's That's actually a pretty cool range design.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you shoot blackouts when we had the blackout contract and all that, and you've got a little bit of drop in it. Um, that was one of the very first ranges that I know of that did indoor Doppler testing. We bought one of the very first Doppler radar systems, and that's where we wow. could track projectiles and, and tell the military and special projects what these bullets were doing. There, there was a lot of cool stuff that we had to sign NDAs and stuff about that we worked on, but it's it was yeah. it was a fun job for a while. So.
0: So you go through high school. Then right out of high school, you jump into the military. And you said you're you're following your your father through that. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, because you were you were obviously shooting before then, right? Because growing mm-hmm. up in Utah and hunting and all that stuff. So what drew you into the military?
1: Um, You know, 9-11 happened, all that stuff. You wanted to do your part. My uncles, um, one of my uncles was in the Battle of Iwo Jima, You know, he kind of told me about that story. My dad, um, my dad has a a really cool story where he, he was infantry um, and he was actually in the ship leaving the Harbor going to uh, Vietnam and they redirected his ship to Germany, Berlin, Germany. And he was uh, one of the German guards for all the German prisoners of war that they'd had. And he was uh, one of Rudolf Hess's personal guards. Uh, wow in prison so there's a cool story there um so he spent a lot of time in germany he did that he was a really good baseball player had collared scholarships played triple a ball a little bit and that i mean that's a whole nother backstory but i went to uh i you know i kind of saw that saw their service and i was like you know i i need to do something you know i've lived in little town utah and i need to expand my horizons and so I went in the military. Um, my, my MOS was actually, in the beginning, um, uh, communication systems, which I had to have a top secret security clearance for and all that. Yep. Um, went through a lot of training for that kind of stuff and came back. Because I was, I was originally going to go into special forces school uh, for com- communications and uh, armory. And, you know, that just all kind of went crazy. But um, I actually came back and I was attached to an aviation unit. So I worked with Apaches and Blackhawks and that kind of stuff. And then I became a crew chief for a while and then kind of bounced back and forth as a section sergeant and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, so my my shooting career was more up to that point was more of the close quarter stuff, you know, hand to hand that I didn't really do the whole long range thing until I got out. It's funny now because I work with SF guys and SEAL teams and all that stuff. Now with the businesses that I run and I do a lot of stuff with them. Now I do more now out than I ever did in. But, <laughs> it's funny um, how that
0: happens, right?
1: Yeah, we support a lot of those guys. Um, you know, I'm constantly, you know, traveling to some of these schools doing some trainings and stuff like that. And now you know, I've, I've done enough classes and courses that I've started kind of teaching my own. Mine's more based around long range hunting. Um, but I've done a lot of, you know, high angle stuff with military units and, uh, I've, I've started to do a lot more of that stuff just kind of on the side. And then I do do a lot of like personal ones. I've taught at Brownells and a couple different places where they bring me in to kind of teach their employees and their the people that they have representing them so it's kind of been it's been a crazy evolution from little town utah hunting to to where we're at that's
0: that's the one thing that really excited me about your story because i everybody knows I'm, I'm a sucker for a good story and i'm reading through i'm like okay so he gets out of high school he goes into the military he comes out of the military and then goes into marketing it's like how did it, it it's just such a weird evolution for someone to come out of the military going to into, go, Hey, I'm going to be marketing.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is where your team POI comes from.
1: Right. Yeah. It was one of those things I'm like, well, um, I, I don't, I did construction for a while and it kicked my butt, maybe an old man, you know, and I'm like, you know, I want to do something to where I'm still involved in all this stuff. Um, I can still talk to all my friends. i built so many friends over the years, you know, and I just kind of evolved it to where, I taught myself, you know, I've, I've talked about this on my personal page a lot. It's like all these firearms companies keep hiring people that have no idea what the hell they're yeah. trying to sell. They're just, they went to college for a marketing degree, but they don't understand that firearms ammunition and hunting is its own animal. Like you're going to have to re go to school to learn this shit. Cause it's, yeah. it, it's been a nightmare and it's constantly evolving and it's, it's a pain in the butt. And it kind of was one of those things that intrigued me. But after I, after I left and went to, uh, Voodoo and we really started pushing it and I could see what, what I could do. I'm like, yeah, this is fun. Maybe I ought to start doing this for more companies. And over time we've just kind of learned, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college for it. Um, I just kind of taught myself as I went of what works and what doesn't work. And, if anybody knows the turnover rate in this industry is horrible. I mean, a lot of the yeah. people that I started with in the marketing side of things, they're gone to other industries because it kicked their butt so bad. I'm still wondering some days why I'm here. I'd rather just, I'm going to go to do- underwater basket weaving or something.
0: I think everybody questions their career at one time. I mean, for me, for my day job, I do cybersecurity and there are days it's like, why the hell did I ever choose this as a career? I mean, my career started off in computers, and I mean, I've been banging away on the keyboard since 1980 when I was in third grade. Um, so computers are almost like a foregone conclusion for me. But I sit back and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I reached a, a you know pretty high in my career, and there are days it's just like, why, why, why am I doing this? And and I think everybody kind of questions their career at one time, at least one time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, know, you just had those bad days. You're like, man, it would just be really nice if I could just go out to the range and go bang on some steel.
1: Well, and see, I'm I'm at that point to where everybody's like, Man, I wish I had your job. And I look at him like, Do you do you love shooting? Well, yeah. All right. You're you not probably you it. ruin it. Now, that, you know, it's like reloading. I barely I barely reload anymore because Barnes ruined that. I reloaded <laughs> every day for seven years, you know, on <laughs> reloading. And I'm just like it used to be my relaxation point. So now I've got to find something else that's my relaxation a lot. We, I make a joke to a lot of my marketing buddies in the industry. And I'm like, how is it that every time I see you, you're fishing? You're not, you have nothing <laughs> to do with guns. It do with guns. With like I've got guns everywhere and everybody get, makes fun of me. They're like, dude, how much do you shoot those? I'm like, no, nah, I don't shoot them very much anymore. I used to compete. I was on a couple pro teams and, just not my cup of tea i do a lot of thermal night hunting now and just big game hunting and it's it's funny how it ruins a hobby in a hurry
0: well it, and that's funny because I, I was in ffl for 10 years so i'm working on people's guns and stuff and that was like my side job because that was going to be my retirement job and um you know i start building that business up and originally, it was just selling guns. And it's, hey, I can work on guns. I know how to work on guns. I know how they work. You know, I start working on people's guns. Then that led into eventually the code And I love to do surcoat work. I'm like, cool. I really like doing this because then I started doing, you know, buying surplus guns, rehabbing them, refinishing them, and selling them. And then I started doing surcoat work as a company, right? And eventually my wife came up to me. She goes, you know, I'm not, I'm not for you doing circuit anymore. Like why? She goes, because you'll, you know, there was one AR. I, I redid, I redid it three times because I was not happy about the, you know, like something happened either, you know, it's cold up here in Montana. It's the same thing with you in Utah. You know, airlines start freezing in the winter and stuff like that. And I took something I liked to do and turned it into a job. And then I didn't like doing surcoat work anymore. It just completely burned me out of doing surcoat work. Um, so I stopped doing it and then, um, you know, through other things is why I'm not an FFL anymore, but it's one of those things is now with the channel where I'm doing build content and stuff, I'm, I'm doing surcoat work again, but it's because I like, I like doing it. Right. It's, it's for me. You know, I'm having fun doing it and I had to relearn that I enjoy doing this. You know, it's it, it's kind of like for me when I go on, when I'm on the firing line, like the whole world kind of melts away from me. You know, that's kind of like my Zen place. Then you become a content creator and well, always on the firing line shooting. My Zen, you know, it's like my Zen place went away because now I got cameras. and But now I got that circuit back and I, I, I get it because you can take the second – you take something you love to do and turn it into a job, generally don't want to do it.
1: Anymore. Yeah, that's 100%. You know, and I, I started Long range Tactics because over the years, I just I, I learned a lot about ballistics. I learned about a lot about rifles. And there's so much misinformation out there. And uh, I wanted kind of a place to put together that people could come talk about it, not be attacked. There's a lot of groups online that if somebody asks something new, they'd, you dumbass, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so we've done that. And then I put a team of guys together that I, guys and gals, that um, I think were not, I, I wasn't looking for top tier shooters. I was looking for people that had information. And that we're really good at putting it out and we're always willing to help, you know, and that was one of those things. And It kind of brings me back to my to me having fun. You know, I was watching my my boy shoot a little bit now. He'd rather fish. He's, he's funny like that. But, you know, helping, helping new shooters get in. I help a lot of kids get in. I host a lot of big things every year, getting kids involved. And uh, you know that that kind of brings a lot of the fun back to me is the long-range tactics and educating a lot of people. Reach out all the time and they're messaging us and they're calling and they're texting and they're like, "Hey, uh, I'm new. Can I can I have some help?" And I'm like, "Man, if if I was in that position all those years ago when I started, it would have I would have made I wouldn't have made a lot of the stupid mistakes that I made." And also, you know, you've got all those what we call typer snipers out there that are always yeah. out there. With, Knowing better than everybody else, and God bless some of them. They want to help, but they just don't know. And they they've seen it somewhere, and they, they they don't know why they're telling you this, but that's why they're telling you this, you know, type of thing. So we we started long range tactics to kind of combat that misinformation, and it grew really really fast. I mean, we're over thirty thousand followers on Facebook, and uh, I think our, our group's got another twenty something thousand in it, and then you know our podcast has exploded, but. My problem is, is it's like anything, just trying to stay passionate and engaged in it. And we've all seen, we've all seen the influencers, your content creators, whatever you want to call it, that have done great for so many years. Then all of a sudden they just kind of fade off because they're like, "Yeah, holy shit, man, I'm just done. I'm over. I can't, I can't maintain. And some of them come back and some of them are never heard of again. You know, um, it just I, happens.
0: It does. You, you hit burnout. Um, because like for me, I coming into, um, after shot show, you know, this past shot show, uh, shot 23, I took, uh, I took like six weeks off because for six years I was hammering content, you know, and I was at to the point where I was hitting, um, one video a week plus a podcast a week. And then, I mean, I, I burned out. I mean, I just, I just burned out. So I'm like, i just got the away i kept the podcast going i mean it's one thing you got sponsors of podcast so you know you gotta you gotta produce but you know i just i burned out and then you know my content became every other week and now i'm becoming you know i'm i'm through that burnout and i'm starting to get excited again about doing content and it, it burnout is the thing the the one thing like with you with with long-range tactics you didn't really You were really building a community more than more than anything. I mean, if you think about it, it's not just that it's we're taking kids out, teaching them to shoot, I have a podcast, I have a Facebook. You built a community based around that. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's what's kind of exciting is when you build that community, you can lean against that community, right? Mm -hmm. As like you're we're going to teach, we're going to teach kids to, to teach. Yeah. we're not going to teach kids, we teach kids long range and we're going to have some fun. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is taking new shooters out to the range for the first time. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that because it's like something I'm passionate about and you want to learn about it. So let's go learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like, I like to tell everybody I'm a pistol shooter that wants to be a rifle shooter. Mm-hmm. I love my pistols. I am terrible with a rifle. Mostly because you know I'm a pistol guy. I mean, you know my engagements are within 30 yards. Mm-hmm. You know I'm used to that. So you get into the rifle, and now I'm starting to get into the the, the rifles and starting to, you know, I've built rifles for people, and I'm starting to build one for myself. It, it's it's a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean now now I get to learn a whole new skill.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your point, there are a lot of networks out there that are trying to do it but most of them are doing it for money you know they're like well you've you've got to pay to join you've got to pay to do this you've got to pay to do that and i'm like this is one of those things that i i did i started because i didn't want um i didn't want it to look that way now of course i have to have sponsors and stuff or I I wouldn't be able to afford to put everything and buy all my equipment and do everything anyway. And we've had a lot of great sponsors. I mean, if you listen to my podcast shit, I spend freaking minutes just trying to do sponsors. But it's one of those things like if if you create the place that people want to come and talk about it and engage, then you know, sponsors want to come because they're like, all right, I like what they're doing. They're not just trying to push their their agenda, their Oh, you, right. well, you can get this for, but you have to pay us for it type thing. And I, I didn't want that. I, I was like, and then, you know, we created a free forum. I haven't really pushed it. Cause I've been too busy. We created even a free forum to sell their stuff on and on our website. And I haven't pushed that. And I'm like, I probably really should because so many people nowadays are under attack of where they can sell it or where they can sell pr- even gun products, you know, primers, powder, and then of course there's always the jackasses out there that are the scammers. So I I wanted to try and create a place where we got rid of the scammers and we had legitimate people that we knew were solid to sell stuff and you know more more and more people have started coming to that. But we've we've really slowed down because I just I don't have the time in the day to to do that. You know my podcast has kind of been suffering a little bit lately because I've just been too busy or we're going too many different directions then you get family life and you know everything else on top of that and it it's shit it's impossible
0: and that's the thing that people don't see on the backside. you know is it's important to have that break for your family because we're working you know i work a day job the content creation and podcasts and all the stuff i do and then uh, you know down below i have the the freedom crew universe that's that's really came about from the, those of us that build guns that we basically got kicked off of YouTube from doing that because you're not allowed to do that. Well, we built a community around that already, so this is where we continued it. But then, you know, I've got content creation, I'm teaching classes, i got my day job, um, you know, where's the time for my wife, my dogs? You know, what do we, you know, I, I think about it now, I don't think my wife has squeezed the trigger in over two years now. Oh, uh-huh, I gotta get her to the range. We just because when I go to the range, it's content creation, right? You know, I, I got cameras going, um, but it, it's important. It, that's the thing that people don't see in the backside. It, there, there's that stress of I've got this, I got this, I got this. I've got three jobs, um, and you know, yeah. you you've got even more. I mean, yeah, I mean, and
1: we've got clients that we're we're constantly building content for, and luckily, I've got some great people on my team, you know, that are kind of behind the scenes that help me manage that. Cause if it weren't for them, there's no way, you know, social media alone is a hundred percent, hundred time job. People are like, Oh, it's, it's great. It's like, all right, we'll go to work for somebody. When you've got to work seven days a week, you've got to make posts, you've got to just respond to comments. You've got to, you know, and then social media attack, or, you know, is attacking us and we're, we're trying to figure out new ways to reach people and, Everything else, and it's just—it's so freaking hard to to keep everything going, and you just get so frustrated with being censored. You know, I made a post today on my on my Facebook and Instagram. It's like, dude, I have a blue check mark. You know, I'm I'm verified. I'm everything on my personal account, but yet I'm I'm, you know, I have guns in the pictures. I'm not selling the guns. The guns are just in the pictures. On my personal stuff, and they're 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 banning me for that. And I know you know, the shadow ban doesn't even exist anymore. They just tell you straight up, "Hey, you you we're not showing yeah. your stuff to anybody else." So shadow ban's not even existing anymore. They're just straight up telling you. So,
0: well, it's funny because I had um, a few months ago I had Diana Muller on. We were talking about um, what I what I call the trifecta of social gun control. Um, you know, control the control the message, control the money, and control the movement. So control the message, social media, the media, everything, right? Control of money, it's, well, you know, how do you buy a gun? Well, now we're going to track credit card purchases, blah, blah, blah. And control the movement was the whole UPS FedEx thing. And uh, we, we got talking about on the media thing about, you know, uh, banning, I go, the, the one thing that makes me mad about doing social media is, is I hate doing social media. I, I actually hate doing it. Um, but I have to. And and it, because I have to, I kind of do it half-assed, right? It's like, cause people want it, but it's just like, I don't like doing it because I'm going to get, uh, they're going to say, no, you can't have this post. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Um, you know, I talked, I was telling uh, Diana Muller, I go, one of the things that drives me nuts on Instagram is I can't have you, you'll take a picture down because there's a gun in it, but yet you'll leave a picture up where I can, know whether someone's a natural blonde or not <laughs> or you know even their grooming habit because you can see through their clothes that's allowed but my content is somehow offensive yeah it drives, it drives me nuts and yeah it social media is it, it there are days that just the social media is like going going into the ring with Mike Tyson
1: yeah, I think that's why so many people in our industry are going to like LinkedIn and Twitter, you know, because Twitter's kind of come full circle. But you know, yeah. with these older, with these older ones trying to get a foothold in, it's almost impossible. That's the hard part is trying to redo that. You know, and a few of my grant brands were growing really, really well a year ago, and now they've just kind of unless. You know, you're constantly evolving and trying to change stuff and going outside the box to try and bring people in. And I've had a lot of companies reach out to me lately, like, dude, how the hell do I, you know, how how do I get market reach here? And a lot of them need to understand that it's not, you've got to put some money towards it. It's not going to be like an overnight hit sensation in this industry. You're, You're talking 12, 16 months. To really yeah. start seeing the fruit of the labor. Now, every once in a while you get lucky and a company takes off, you know, and does phenomenal, you know, Montana Knife Company and a couple like that yeah. that have just, they, they've had their shit together and they planned it out and they've just hit the right things when they've done it. But not very many people in this industry do it, but a lot of people, um, what's the word I'm looking for, they 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 see that and they think that's where they're going to go. It's not. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's not.
0: It's not. I mean, you know, I've talked to a lot of uh, smaller content creators, and they're they're like, "Well, how did you get to where you're at?" And I'm like, "I've been doing this for six years of just pounding through content, and you know, I've had content taken down. I've had letters from Congress taking my content down. Um, you know, I get I get beat up really bad, but I've I you know I I have found other ways around. You know. The biggest platform I have is YouTube, right? Well, my channel was built on disassembly and reassembly content because I was doing surcoat work and I was sick of putting people's guns back together. right? So I'm going to do a video on how to take the gun apart and put it back together. So I don't have to do it because, yes, I can charge you $50 to do it. I just don't want to do it. right? right. Um, so that's how it started. But, you know, now. I've had to figure other ways around that and how to apply their ever changing policies around my content Mm and keep it up. And even then it's my older content. that still keeps me going there. That's the ones that are getting the the views because nobody else has it out there anymore, but yeah, it's, it's tough. You can't, you know, they're like, but I'm going to be a, you know, I'm going to be a YouTube star in the, in the firearms world, highly unlikely highly unlikely um it, it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen overnight and even then it's still gonna be a fight
1: yeah that's and a lot of the big ones that are something it's funny because there's been a couple groups that come in and try to represent all of them you know they take money yeah. from them And a lot of their stuff now is all bought and paid for you have to pay them for them to review your product and it's like all yeah. right at what point do you do you keep listening to their reviews because it's all bought and paid for? Um, you know, and I, I'm one of those that if I get a product and I don't like it, you'll never see anything about it. Cause I'm just,
0: I'm, I'm the good. same way.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> I'm the same. way. Those guys, If it's good or it's bad, it's getting posted and they'll just, you know, figure a way around it. And I'm like, that isn't that, that isn't the good review. That isn't what I want everybody to see. And, I want everybody knowing that when they come to us and ask us questions, we'll be truthful with them. You know, Hey, that, that gun didn't shoot very well. And, you know, and that that's another thing is a lot of people have one product. They get one scope, they get one rifle, something's wrong with it. Now, every one of them's wrong. You know, there's, there's yeah. gotta be a, there's gotta be a happy medium there to understanding, you know, when we tested, uh ammunition for example we had to test when a new run of ammunition came out i had to go out and buy at least seven different rifles to test that ammunition through to see what it would do because we wanted a, a very good baseline of it and that's hard to do anymore because you know what one thing a scope that doesn't track oh now the rest of them are piles of crap well that happens i mean qc yeah but the it, problem is, is too many people come into this and they try to do reviews and they don't understand that themselves.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is no matter what you have, we're talking about a manufactured product. Every manufactured product has a certain level of rejection, right? I mean, and QC can only catch so much of it, right? Cause I mean, something might fail in this product after it's, you know, it, it, it's been out in the market. You know, um, and that's the thing that's like with me, when I get a product in for review, if it if it doesn't perform or it, it has a failure or something, I'm back talking to the, the company going, hey, something's wrong with this. What, what's going on? And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, crap, you know, I'll get another product and retest. And it's like, okay, that was a failure unit. It happens, right? When I break, when I when I do the, the review video, it'll be like, hey, look, you know, um, I had one and it failed. We retested with another product; it worked. You know, and I go through the whole thing of failures happen. I mean, how many people have been out there or have ever bought a car and went, oh my God, this thing's a lemon? But your next door neighbor has the exact same car, and there's never there's never a problem with it, right?
1: And- yeah. And that's, that's one of those things to be, I think in my mind, to be a good reviewer, you've got to understand that. You've got to be open-minded and, yep. you know, I always give them one chance to fix it. So if there's something wrong yeah. they have a chance to fix it, if not, they get it back. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've got for reviews and a lot of different things. And, uh, it just kind of depends on th- th- there's a lot of different variables. Right. But, um, yeah, just trying to be that, that good, solid source of information has been providing to be difficult. You know, it really has. But we've we've definitely tried. And I, I know I need to do better on longer tactics because there are a lot of people bugging me. Like, hey, when's your next podcast coming out? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I... Well, you, see,
0: I you have an excuse this week because you're here.
1: Well, <laughs> I just got put on this, the NWTF board as their new PR guy because they really needed somebody to do that. So they're bugging me now. They're like, "Hey, we need to do a podcast. You know what you're doing." So built, you know, set it up for us. And I'm like, "Shit, so I got to do that." And then okay. you know, at the end of the day, it's just funny. You know, Sean Heron from we like shooting, he came and stayed with me for a week and he goes, "Dude, you're crazy." He's like, "I don't <laughs> how the hell do you do this." He goes, "I thought I was busy, but he goes, "This doesn't hold a candle." And I said, "Dude, honestly, I have no idea. I just it, it it just I, I just try to run through it as fast as I can you know my phone's usually glued to my head or I'm on an email or it's just it is what it is and I put myself in this position you know after I after I got let go from Barnes and I kind of sat there for a couple weeks and was you know mad and irritated at the world I'm like I came to that realization like hey this is my chance to do something and yeah. I've never looked back since you know and we've just been kick, kicking ass but um, it's, it's one of those things, I guess, in life to where you're like, man, you think you're, you think you're getting the shaft, but in actuality, it's opening more doors than, than anything. And I, I've been super blessed with, with the business and how I'm still here after however many years it's been, 14 years, 13, 14 years in this industry. So it's just been crazy. Yeah.
0: And that's, it's funny. Cause uh, as soon as you said that, I and mean, then you talked about Sean, it's like, and if anybody would know how crazy things are, Sean would know. I mean that guy's got so much crap going on in his life, and for him to go, how how are you doing this? You know, you know your life on fire.
1: Yeah, Sean, he's one of my boys. He's a good dude.
0: Yeah, he is. I, I like talking to him. I, I've met him at uh, at shot a couple of times and got a chance to talk to him. And um, yeah, he's he's got a lot of he's got he's got a lot of irons in the fire
1: yeah but that that's the thing though is is in in this industry you have to you have to have a lot of different avenues you have to one of the big things is working with other people you know having those connections and different things like that and then you know working through those connections to to try and access something else that's that's one of the big ones that we've been really working on lately from everything else yeah well
0: it's it's funny to to think about that if we go through um, you know, I, I really ran into you because of this, uh, Fix-It Sticks. Uh, um, yep. you know, they're one of your customers. That's how, that's how I got to know you mm-hmm. is through that, through SHOT Show. And then, uh, earlier this year we had Fix-It Sticks Fix on, which you're on with them. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's funny where you start getting these relationships that come, that come up in the industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, really the industry is, this is all about networking, mm-hmm. you know, who do you know? How do you come about to know them? Um, you know, there are companies that, uh, well, one of, one of my sponsors for the podcast um, is a uh, Falco holsters. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a pistol guy. So yeah, I, I like holsters. And um, the, the story about how I, how I learned about Falco was actually a shot show a couple of years ago. Um, you know, there are a billion holster companies, right? I mean, it's like, especially downstairs, if you stand downstairs and throw a quarter, you can probably hit a, hit a holster down there. And, um, you know, I'm walking by, I'm looking at this thing going, okay, cool. Hey, make leather holster. That's pretty cool. i like leather holsters. And I turn around and I'm still walking as I'm going by and look over and I just about run, uh, Martin, who's one of the, the guys there. I just about run this guy over in the aisle because he's finally like, no one's passing my booth, you know, Everybody just kept on passing. He just literally stood in front of me just about that plowed over. And it was so weird just because of that interaction. My relationship with that company came, you know, was born. And you never know how that comes about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like me. I mean, I'm primarily long range, but I'm starting to get back into my military roots, my CQB stuff and that. And, um, you know, it's opened a lot of doors back into that side. You know, if there's a couple of co- holster companies where you worked through with devil dog you know and um that's where i met a lot of those guys and it's just it, it's constantly evolving into different areas of the shooting space you know whether it be holsters whether it be um optics Hard. whether it be suppressors yeah. you know yeah. a lot of people know me as a suppressor guy now because i have so many suppressors because i just freaking love them i got them on pretty much everything and um I've tested a lot of them and I've done a lot of work with suppressors, and a lot of people come to me for that. You know, it's just it's kind of how that all comes down to it. And I'll be honest, I'm I'll tell somebody, no, I wouldn't touch that suppressor. You know, I use it for paperweights over there. Or hell yeah, I use that suppressor because it's you know awesome. There's there's a lot of that stuff that comes on too. But yeah, it's it's amazing in this industry how everything just kind of spreads. But everybody doesn't understand how small this industry is. This, this industry is extremely small.
0: It's extremely small. Like, um, so speaking of suppressors, uh, Gary Pappas from dead air, um, how I met, how I met him was actually at shot show two years ago. Um, uh, two other content creators that are, are buddies of mine, the two of them smoke. Well, I don't, but we were going over to go talk to dead air. We, we had a, and in to go talk to somebody, and we're sitting there, and these two guys are smoking. And one of them looks over and goes, "Oh, you're with Dead Air, you know? See the badge?" And the guy goes, "Yeah." And we're like, "Oh yeah, we're going over to go talk to so and so." Oh, okay, yeah. a good guy? Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. We had no idea that was Gary, or that was that was Papa's right there. <laughs> we had no idea it was him, and then. We're like, as we start walking away, we start heading over, and he goes. One guy goes, "All right, I think he was the CEO." Like, and you know, he's he's kind of a smart ass, so you just gotta let us play along, right? you just yeah, play along. I don't know
1: Gary. I know Mike, but I don't know a Gary. Mike,
0: Mike, not Gary. I say Gary. Mike. Mike,
1: Mike? Papas. Yeah, Mike. Um,
0: and then uh, we get over there, and then there's there there's Mike with a camera in his face, right? And then we're like. That's that, that was him. Um, it, you have no idea where you, who you're going to meet when you're going to meet them. Um, yeah, Mike, I don't know where I got carried from. <laughs> but Mike is, uh, and that's, and that's his personality. He'll, he'll screw with you too.
1: Yeah. Um, there's, there are a lot of good people. I, I mean, I was just in Texas, Donald Trump Jr. a couple weeks ago. Uh, we were down there hunting. I've known him for a long time. He's bought a lot of guns, you know, from, for my clients and for me over the years and he's a good guy his brother's the same way um you know there's a lot of country guys down there we went hunted with and it's amazing how it just kind of opens doors and you know in that side of things the country country industry's kind of been hush hush you know we worked on a lot of a lot of country stars firearms at Remington and Barnes that I had to sign NDAs because they didn't want anybody to know they hunted you know and in the last few years that's really changed to where Most of them are like, screw you, we don't care. You know, we've we've worked on a lot of the big names rifles now and build them ammo and everything else, and they just they just don't care. And that's that's good how that is evolving to try and make that like, hey, you know, it's more of a uh, you know, they're a hunter conservationist, you know, we could go into a whole other podcast about that side of things. Oh, yeah.
0: Totally. There's
1: been so much evolution just even in the last three to five years. It's just been amazing what has happened, but it always kind of makes you worry, um, you know, on the content creation side of what is as content creators we're showing and we're kind of turning hunting into a, a rich man sport too. You know, I look at, and that's kind of why I became involved with the NWTF and stuff was like, man, I, I gotta step up and do something. I don't have time, but I can sit here and bitch and moan on the freaking computer all day, or I can go do something about it. So I've kind of involved myself in that side of things as, You know, and that's just one of my stepping stones to the, to the one of the, a couple of the points that I want to be, but it's, it's amazing how we can sit behind a keyboard and complain about it forever, or we can just go do do something something. about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, It's so funny thinking about, and, you know, we won't go down this rabbit hole too far, but, you know, um, I had the liberal gun club on the podcast earlier this year, Lara, Lara, from the liberal gun club. We were talking about hunting, right? And so she, you know, she, they're, they're very much big gun people and they She was talking about uh, shooting trap and then um, the one range they shoot trap out over water and people are like, well, think about this. And she goes, you ever think about hunters? Hunters do not want to pollute the environment because they're harvesting their food from that environment. There are some of the biggest conservationists out there is hunting. Uh, you know, and people don't think about, it. you know, it and she's fighting it, she's she's a liberal and she's fighting other liberals, going, no, 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 no. Think about this. You want, you want to talk about organic and all natural. There it is. The hunters don't want to screw this environment up. They want to preserve it.
1: Yeah, you're 100 percent right, but there are a lot of hunters. It's like anything. There's bad and there's good. There are a yeah. lot of hunters that are pieces of crap. There's,
0: there's a hole. No matter what group you have, there's a holes in it, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. And the problem is, is that small group seems to ruin it for everybody else. You know, it's exactly. like it's like the asshats that go and shoot up schools. It's less yeah. than a half a like a tenth of a one percent of people that do this, but yet it ruins the view for everybody yep. else. Like, look at all these rifles sitting back here. They've never shot anybody and they're not going to shoot anybody. It has to do with the person behind them. And that's, that's the yeah. problem with a lot of this is that's not what's getting blamed on. It's getting blamed on the, the guns, not the people.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we don't get down to that root cause of the problem. When you look at, I mean, a train wreck is sensational, right? I mean, it, it's tragic and sensational all at the same time. A plane tra- plane wreck. I mean, that's, that's what happens. They, they lock onto one thing and then that's,
1: that's it Mm
0: -hmm. now talk to us a little bit earlier we were talking about you know your companies you have team uh, poi talk a little bit about um what you do there because that's really how i come to know you is through your team poi through fix it sticks
1: the funny Um, thing about poi is like what what is poi and if anybody shoots you know what your point of impact is, point right? Of impact, yeah. and that's what POI stands for is your, your point of impact to, to marketing or to whatever you're trying to push out, whether it be PR, whether it be consulting, what do you want? Where do you want your point of impact? And that's why that kind of came around. You know, now we've got a couple few clients that we work with, you know, including fix the sticks that we talked about, you know, and they wanted somebody that actually used the product and could talk to it and, um, you know, do reels and do content and actually say it, you know, they didn't want to just hire somebody to go out there and, you know, share pictures of, of that stuff, which has been great. Uh, we've had a great relationship over the last few years with them and they're growing like crazy, which is awesome to see, um, you know, little, little, it's actually people think it's a giant comes little company here and uh, here in the U S but um, you know, it's funny. They get, they keep getting attacked because a lot of the products are made in Taiwan and it's like, dude, they they're made in Taiwan, so they can still be put to the U.S. market. If those same tools were made in the U.S., none of you would be able to afford them. So, yeah, and right. then and then they're looking on a Chinese-made phone, at complaining <laughs> about it. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But and and, there, um, and
0: there's probably and
1: there's probably um, you know probably on their workbench
0: they have some um, Harbor Freight punches. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, I mean, yeah, it's
1: yeah that's it, that's. that's The thing with fix is it's, it's catered towards someone that really gives a crap about their, their stuff. It's not, you know, Oh yeah, you can go, but you can go buy something. We've tested a lot of our, um, some of our competitor stuff on the market and they're not even close. Some of them are way over. And then people wonder why their scopes get ruined when they're mounting them or why stuff breaks, you know, when they're trying to torque it. And that's where the attention to detail and QC comes in there. Um, we've got a couple of pistol clients, um, you know, 1911, which was outside of my wheelhouse, but I'm like, hell, we'll give it a go. And we've done pretty good there. Um, you know, we help with optics stuff. We help with suppressor stuff. We've, of course, got the podcast and everything. But POI is more of a, you know, now it seems like I help a lot of little mom and stores kind of get get their feet under them. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of messages in my inbox right now of people wanting to have meetings and discuss you know, what, what their steps are and where they should, they don't have a big budget. So where should I spend my money? What should I do? You know, that kind of stuff. And we've helped a lot of companies out that way of like, you know, Hey, you know, um, if it's a good friend of mine, I'll try and help them out as much as I can. And we just do, you know, small base and, and try to get save. We, 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 t- it takes a little bit of money for them to spend here, but we save them a whole lot of money in the long run. And then, you know, we just use everything that we've paid for to help kind of boost their stuff, you know, and we've got a great website design team and SEO team on one side of us that we we do a lot of our stuff through. We've got my social media team. They do great at posts and reels and that stuff's consistent. And we have to have a team to do it because shit almighty. I mean, I can't do it myself. There's no way you get burned wow. out. And that's where the team POI, the team in the point of impact comes in because, if you really understand anything you 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 hire the right people to do the job you don't try to do everything because you can't do it there's no way and then you know i i can't i can't do um video editing i and i don't want to so i hire the right person to do that you know and they do a phenomenal job and same with like our graphic designers and stuff like that like we have all that in house So when somebody comes to poi they're like well I need this, this, and this done. Who do I talk to? Well, you talk to me. I mean, that's, we do it all. So that's been one nice thing. It's kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of people. But the, the thing about a lot of my clients now is they kind of pick and choose, you know, what they want from us and then kind of build an all a cart thing, which has been, it seems to have worked out really good. I've had quite a few clients. I had a client stop by here the other day and they're like, man, I wish you had time. I'd hire you back. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, our sales went down by 40%. A month after you left uh, wow. and the sad the sad thing is is that business is is probably going to go under now and uh it sucks it sucks to see it but you know that's just the nature of the beast if if you know what you're doing you can help people make money um and if you don't know what you're doing you can help people lose money in a hurry so
0: yeah yeah and and you know that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where we got talking about marketing people and in the industry, and you know, I'm talking to marketing people all the time at, at SHOT. And it's so weird as I come walk, you know, I, I can walk up into a booth of a major name brand of you know firearms manufacturer and look at someone going, Have you graduated high school yet? Right? I mean, they're young. It's like, do you even know like you know how your 1911 is built? All right. I mean, do you know that? You can't just slap these things together. I mean, it just, a 1911 is typically built. It's, you know, there's a reason why there's tolerances and there's a reason why we do this. So, And and they have no no
1: idea. Yeah, and see, as as, as a new marketing person, I'll give this advice to them. It's like, hey, I've been in a lot of places where I didn't know. I had no idea what the question was. Don't go try to bullshit somebody. Don't try to no. go tell them that or make them think you do it. There's plenty of situations where I've been in a booth working for a client. Somebody walks up to me and asks a question. I'm like, look, this is what I do. That very question. I don't know, but I am going to find you an answer. And yeah. that will give people a lot more respect than me trying to act like I know it all. And I really don't and bullshit people. And I think that's one of those things that a lot of these companies need to realize: is there's no way you can hire somebody that knows everything about your product no. unless they've been there for a couple of years and they've understood it. Um, or they you know, only have two products. <laughs> yeah. There's still stuff that I have to call Nick um, at straight jacket. Like um, I'm like, Hey dude, you know, I've helped with a lot of rifles, ammo. I don't know everything and I'll be the first one to admit it. I've loaded for military contracts and all sorts of other stuff. I don't know everything about loading. I don't. And, you know, that's one of the big things is, and that's another kind of reason why I started LRT is for my um, learning experience and my, you know, I, I teach long range classes, but I go take long range classes, um, you know, to learn stuff from other people. And I think that's what sets a lot of people apart is, Is that continual knowledge and understanding that I don't? You're a
0: continual student. Mm -hmm, You're you're continually learning. Um, That's the same thing for like uh, my wife and myself. We have our concealed carry permits, and you know every so year, every so so many years, we go out. We don't have to, but we go out and take a class, like a concealed carry class, because I'm going to get a different point of view from this person than this person. Um, There's There's times I've been through a class where this one's taught by, you know, someone who's teaching at a law enforcement academy. It's great. It's great going through that class because I learned something completely different about the engagement with law enforcement after a shoot, right? What's going through their head. I get to see their side of it, not just the civilian side um go through someone who's a competitive shooter i got a completely different point of view it's all basically the same content but each person has a different spin and that's what's great about continually learning. is you're starting to get these other points of view that you're being opened up at
1: yeah yeah continually adding uh, you know, and being humble—that's that's one of the big yeah. things that I think a lot of people miss anymore. And yeah, you could like like you say, you can walk into a booth and call somebody out pretty freaking quick. Um, yeah, that doesn't know. You know, I I did a couple in person interviews in booths last year at Shot Show, and they're like, oh yeah, here's our marketing guy. Yeah, he's going to tell you about our product. And I'm like, okay, you know, teach me something. Teach me something about your product. And a lot of what they were spewing was complete horse shit that somebody else has told them because they don't know any better. And it's like, man, you guys need a lot of companies need to do better at going to shows and going to trade shows and teaching their customers about a lot of that stuff. One, one company and I'll give Glenn props for this all day. Seekins, Um, Glenn and his team at Seekins have done phenomenal they travel around to shields. They travel around different things and they teach people about their guns. I mean, how many times have you walked into a gun shop and the guy behind, like i walk into gun shops. I don't want to buy anything because I know what I pay for it, but it's like, I walk in there just to listen to some of the conversations and some of those poor freaking people listening to shit from the kid behind the counter. That has no clue about personal defense. They're trying to sell nine millimeter ball to a, to a guy that wants to, you know, have something in his in his purse, pers- in a CCW. And it's like, Holy shit, Batman! Do you guys not teach yeah. these people anything? And but again, that comes back to if you're going to be in this, whether you're going to be in that, you know, when it comes to military, anything, law enforcement. If you're going to be in it, you know, you got to take some sense of ownership and learn some of that yourself.
0: Yeah. No, I, it, it, it's so funny you talk about that because you know when I when I was in FFL, I wanted to be the you know I don't know anti gun counter right because they. It used to drive me nuts. Uh, you go, you go into a, 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 you know, into a store, and you're trying to get this guy's attention, and you you've got like ten seconds before he's on to something else. You're not getting that information. So I'm like, this is how I'm going. I'm building my business around this problem. Um, it's the same way I became a content creator. I see a problem. I'm building, you know, this content around this problem. Um, but you know, like. God, you talk, as soon as you brought up Seekins, I knew Seekins because I used to do a crap load of firearm transfers for Seekins in, into Montana here. And those people know the crap about that gun. Um, I mean, they have a very informed sales staff. They have a very informed customer. They do a great job. Absolutely do a great job with it. And um, I really wish a lot of more a lot more companies would do that.
1: Well, and Glenn, Glenn, one thing coming back to the team part of POI, Glenn put the right team together. Um, you know, Maddie, uh, ex Special Seventh Group Special Forces guy, knows his shit there. He put the right team of people together, and they did phenomenal. And and that just goes to show you, like that's that's what needs to happen. You know, it amazes me in this in this industry of people that have hired me. And they say, okay, hey, I want to start selling more. I said, okay, here's 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 your steps of what you need to do. And I'm like, oh, no, we don't think that works. Here's what we want to do. Okay, well, at the end of the day, when you don't get your sales and stuff, don't come to me blaming me yeah. because you didn't listen. And that happens all the freaking time. I'm like, hey, we got issues here that we need to work out. Well, I think this is working. So, so if that's working, why did you hire me to tell you that, hey, this isn't working and I can see more growth here and I can see, but it, it happens constantly. And this industry is horrible for it. They know better. Oh, I've been in this industry for a long time. I know it works. Guess what? This industry from three years ago, isn't the same industry. You're trying to target the old, the old FUDs, the, the bench shooters yep. and that stuff. That's not who you target anymore. And you know, that's, that's one of the problems that a lot of people aren't seeing is their heads just too, And then they don't, they they hire people, but they don't let them do their job. That's kind of crazy.
0: It's funny because, you know, on my side, uh, you know, through my IT career, well, probably a little over half of it's been consulting. There's been many a times where I've gone into an engagement with someone and, you know, they're like, here's my findings. This is what's wrong. This is how to fix it. Well, that's not. You know, that's not right. Like, well, then why did you just spend $30,000 for me to sit here and tell you what's wrong if you want to tell me what's wrong with your company? By the way, there's something wrong because you brought me in, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what's so funny is a lot of times I'm telling them the exact same thing that their existing employees have been telling them for years. They know
1: right yep and then they wonder why they're stuck and say i mean we're beating a dead horse here but yeah it's just it's i get it 110 it's it's kind of a nightmare but I, i here's the thing at the end of the day i own a gun company um but i want to see other gun companies succeed too and there's quite a few of them that i will recommend to anybody you know and if they don't feel like coming to me i'll give them somebody else's name to go to and that's one of the other things that kind of makes this industry great and there's others that i wouldn't touch i wouldn't say yeah. well I'd, I'd give them rush's number and let them shoot their guns or something but you know what i mean it's just like that that's that is another nice thing about this industry is we've been very tight-knit and the people that i trust i like you know and it's hopefully it's the same way for them but there there are some great people in this industry there really are there yeah. are now,
0: talk a little bit about Straightjack. So, uh, how did you get involved with Straightjack? I mean, obviously, you're in. The, you went through the long distance journey. Um,
1: um,
0: talk to me about Straightjack.
1: Well, I it kind of comes back to no one would listen when I tell them, "Hey, this is how you need to run your company. This is what we need to do. Uh, we need to make changes." And I went through, you know, a few long range companies. I've helped. I don't know, probably 10 or 15 different companies over the years in the long range space. And some of them kind of listen, some of them don't at all. And then expect, you know, change. And I'm like, the hell with this. I'm like, I need to start looking for something that I can put my name on and I can mark and I can put out there, you know, and, and still keep it separate. I, I am that person that I keep business separate, you know, team POI is still gonna, it's still going to have its clients straight jackets separate. It's going to have it still. And, uh, Nick reached out to me a while back and he said, "Hey man, I Nick, Nick can build freaking guns. There's no doubt about it. Nick's probably one of the best gunsmiths. And I'm not just saying it cuz we're we're in this business together. He is probably one of the best gunsmiths I've ever worked with as far as attention to detail and the way he's designed his machinery to change things and the way he dials stuff in, like it's just crazy." And after seeing that and after, you know, knowing the quality of work he puts out, his problem was he needed somebody that could do marketing and sales and run the business. He just wanted to focus on the shop. Um so, you know, I took over CEO CEO and president and he is now COO so he handles just all the shop and um, you know, managing builds and that kind of stuff and that's where he's great and that's where I'm great. So we made a great team and uh, coming back to the whole team part, you, you've you got to have somebody that can, you know, really help you get your thing. And we've all found out in the past that you can hire people to do a lot of jobs. But if you don't have skin in the game, you're not going to have as much passion towards it. Yeah. Um, so straight jacket just builds primary long range precision stuff. We do prefits, We do barrel actions. We do rifles. We do. And I mean, it's pretty much everything. There's the sky's the limit. Um, we do tons and tons of barrels. Um you know, and it, it's grown, uh, just in the last, since I took over in April or May, we've grown, we went from like four or 5,000 followers on Facebook. We're over 20,000 now. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's exploded and it's done great. Our Instagram's going up, our sales are going up, everything's trending up and it's, you know, it's, Hey, shit, Guess what? Somebody finally listened to me. Oh, it's me. (laughs) So, hey, I know how it works and I can make it work if people would just freaking listen, but they don't. So, hey, I'm happy now. So I can't complain.
0: Well, we've been rolling for about an hour. How can people get a hold of you? I mean, and for everybody either listening or or watching, we'll have all the links down below because depending on what you were talking about, depends on how they're going to reach out to you.
1: Right, and they can all reach out to me the same way. If they want to reach out to me directly, it's either uh, Precision Disciple on um, uh, Instagram or just Cole Kornberg on on Facebook. And I'm usually I, I usually try and answer questions a couple times a week. So if, if you message me, don't be too crazy. Long Range Tactics, of course. Uh, Long Range is our website. It's got a bunch of cool stuff on. We've got some videos, some training. Um the podcast, it's on Spotify, it's on all the major networks, Apple Podcast, um, Podbean, everything that's on uh that's under the firearms radio network, which we're of course happy with Sean and his team with that. And then um Straight Jacket Armory, uh it's armory, uh dot com. You can reach out sales at straightjacketarmory.com or call us. But I mean, like I said, if you want to talk to me directly, just I'm usually on long range tactics or on my own personal one. I try to be so I try to answer questions and on the long, the nice thing about long range tactics ones is all my team has access to it. So if you message it, somebody will get back to you Somebody's and about something, which is nice.
0: Awesome. Well, just to wrap up here, I'd like to to play a little bit. You you did this a little bit earlier this year. So I'm gonna see if I can come up with some different questions. Uh, I just like to wrap up with a speed round, just kind of loosen things up. So it's going to be four this or that questions, and then one thinking question. Mm-hmm. So for rifle, 308 or 6.5 Creed more?
1: Mm. Oh, I have a few of each. Um, 6.5 Creed. I just, ballistically, I like it a little better.
0: 9mm or forty
1: 9. I like more rounds.
0: <laughs> more, more, a little more trigger pull for you more,
1: more shit that i can't hit with a pistol exactly
0: I, well it's funny i i had um i was at a um i was a steel battle, a challenge shoot and i was out there with uh, a buddy of mine who was a marine and you know marines the riflemen they like you put a pistol in their hands they're just like I, I don't know what to do with this thing and um he emptied his mag <laughs> a reload for for this one stage and there's not that many targets and uh i remember he comes walking back and I like you realize that accuracy counts here this is not suppressing fire
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've done that before yeah I, I did that with a couple seals we were i was doing a training with uh some some of the seals a few months ago and uh one of them came up and i was shooting long range with him and he goes you know I can shoot this okay, but that's a reason why they give me the freaking automatics because I just spray them because <laughs> I can't hit shit with all of these. I'm like, well, there you go. There's there. I mean, even in the SEAL teams, there's there's a reason why there's different guys, different jobs. So, yep. So, would you
0: rather clean a rifle or reload ammo?
1: Well, I don't do either anymore. I just let them run to but- so. um, so. I don't know. I'd I, I do both still. I, I still enjoy cleaning rifles because um, I did it so much and I still enjoy ammo. I mean that one's a toss. That one's 50 50 there. But I do, I do. I depending on my I just bought a whole bunch of new reloading stuff. I'm like, I gotta get my shit together. So I I do like reloading a little bit more now that I've got all the new fancy stuff. So you walk up to a
0: table, and on the table is a rifle and a pistol. Which one do you grab first?
1: Well, the rifle, I can't shoot a pistol for shit. I mean, I'm going to, if I got to shoot at somebody, I'm going to make sure they don't even get near near me before I shoot them. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to see what's coming.
0: I remember, uh, I remember I was at a gun show with my father one time. Some guy came walking up and he goes, he goes uh, Can I sharpen either one of you guys' pocket knives? You know, because you got some new and keeping sharpened knives with my father. I remember my father looking at him going, pocket knife? Because I don't let him get that close. <laughs>
1: yeah. <If> you're <they're laughs> that close, you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Um. Let's see here. So um, I'm going to take you to the world's largest armory. And in this armory has one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile. It can be anything from Dennis the Menace's slingshot all the way up to the deck gun of the, off the Missouri. And it's been cleared by every government agency that could ever stand in your way that you get to walk away with one of anything in this armory. What are you walking away
1: with? Many mm, gun, probably. Of course, I can spray. I can kill anything within from here to here. Well, the th- the problem is you got to you got to include in this if I get ammo off. I don't get ammo with this no except.
0: Someone asked me that before, and I, I and my answer was, "Is I'm nice enough to give you the gun? You got to feed it yourself." And, mm-hmm. it, and it's funny because when I say that, it usually changes the answer.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I ain't buying freaking ammo for that. I've shot them. <laughs> I've shot them out of helicopters. I know how much ammo they go through. I ain't. I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> now, um,
0: I have. Uh-huh. I have had twice people pick the Gal Eight off the uh, off the A ten warhawk
1: yeah.
0: Apparently. I don't know where they're getting thirty thousand rounds of, of 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 that ammo. You
1: know, you didn't but, got a car to even strap it to that would hold it. It probably took well them. the
0: one the one guy is a pilot. And he said he figured that if he picked the Gal 8, I had to give him the aircraft because it's basically the aircraft is built around the gun. I, I
1: loved. I always loved the gun on the front of the Apaches because they're attached to the yes. pilot's head, so they fall it they yeah. fall pilot's you know, head and then they. Yeah, that's nice because then i just look at shit and shoot it i don't even have to aim. I just, <laughs> it's dead. He's dead see, that, right. see I'm, I'm a lazy shooter so that just
0: that naturally just you know that just fits with me
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's much better that and some hellfires you can't go wrong with those either
0: no um so i, well, I lived on the east coast i lived just outside of uh aberdeen proving grounds mm. and for armed forces day i was just back like, Early '90s, late '80s, early '90s. You know, back when the military still had a budget, in um, Armed Forces Day, at Aberdeen Proving Ground was freaking amazing, right? I mean, we'd be, they would have out on the test range. You, you know, they're setting off all the field guns and everything, and then they would bring in Apaches at the end, and they'd do their strafing runs and you know, all the fun stuff. Um, but man, until you see one of those Apaches in, in in their full glory you just really can't appreciate the the hell they can bring down
1: on something oh that's fun i've worked when i was in i worked with a lot of sf seal teams uh that type of stuff just on moving and communicating with the apaches and we did a lot of that stuff out in the west desert where we'd we'd go out and we'd get contact and then we'd call in you know close air support and that kind of stuff and yeah that was that was a lot of fun we did a lot of that kind of stuff and there's some there's some crazy stories there we've got but yeah it was fun. So are you
0: still staying with the uh the minigun or are you changing up your uh
1: Hell yeah, I, I'm changing it if I got to freaking pay for the ammo. I don't you know what pay for I the
0: ammo. So What's next?
1: Everybody's like, "Oh, I'd have a 50." I'm like, "No, I I did a Barrett contract where I had to fire thousands around through 50. I don't ever want to see a 50 again." <laughs> um, I don't know. The thing is, is I've shot so many rifles over the years and so much stuff. Honestly, I'd probably get a Krieg off or something super expensive and sell it and buy ten of whatever else I wanted. You know what I mean? Like there you it's, go. it's a hundred, hundred and something thousand dollar shotgun. You know, I'd buy one of them and then I could buy a lot of whatever the hell else I wanted. That, that buys a lot of suppressors.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it does. Mm-hmm. There you go.
0: Well, Cole, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. We really appreciate you coming in and talking. It's great kind of just sitting down, just having a chat with you rather than just having to like talk about a product.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. Sometimes I get on rabbit holes, but it's nice also not having to deal with my own having to send this to the editor now and doing all that crap. So
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'm, all on me now.
1: It's that's <laughs> nice not having to do all that stuff and then schedule it and, <laughs> you know, all that fun stuff. So I got to get my shit back together. I got to get going online again. I've got so many people bugging me, but it's amazing how many people do podcasts now. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, so
0: it, everybody, uh, they pop up all over the place. Um, and it, it, you know, we talked about earlier when like, people are like, I'm going to be you know, a content creator. I'm going to get big. And it's like the same thing for podcasts. I'm going to create a podcast. And I'm just going to be like this instant success. Like you gotta work that too. Mm. Um, I mean, this is what this will be episode one hundred and thirty-one of this podcast, and it's like I'm just starting to scratch on that one thousand mark per episode. It's a it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, we we work. got we got blessed. I mean, in the first in the first, I want to say twenty episodes, we had over a hundred thousand downloads. Oh. Uh, so awesome. the podcast went really good. I don't know why they want to listen to my dumbass, but they do, you know, and it's one of those things like I you've got to stay humble. You've got to stay true to everything you're doing, and you've got to be honest to everybody and say, Hey, I'm here to learn too. I'm I'm not here as a know it all. I'm not here as I'm I'm preaching to anybody. I'm I'm here to learn and I'm here to hopefully impart some knowledge to everybody else. So we've We've, we've been very blessed as far as, as that sort of thing. So it's been a good thing. That's awesome.
0: Well, anyways, man, I know you're a busy guy. So once again, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, no problem. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. And again, if anybody ever needs anything, I, you know how to find me now. We'll
0: make sure, we'll make sure we get you, get them to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I had an idea of where this podcast was going to go. But I had no idea we were going to go like that, which is what I love about these type of podcasts, because really, I have, I don't have a script. I have an idea. And then wherever we go, we go, and Cole led us down some really great avenues. You got a great peek of what really happens under the hood in this industry. Definitely go check Cole out. I've got the links down below for him. Now, if you like the work that I do here, please consider supporting us for free by shopping our affiliate links and banners at www.trb.fyi. You can support this channel, this podcast, and all the work that I do for free. That's right, for free. It's not gonna cost you anything. You just go to partners and discounts, and on that page, on my webpage, you will see everybody that I'm affiliated with. Just click that link and then go shopping on their website. A small percentage of what you buy will come back to me to help me create more content. It's not going to cost you one penny more than you were already going to spend. Now, for the product of the podcast, it is the Real Avid Smart Assist. Now, these things connect into, well, my Real Avid Master Gun Vice. there. It comes with a block that I can put on there. You can also take that block and mount it right to your bench. And it comes with three attachments. You have a magnifying glass, a cell phone holder, and a flashlight. Super cool. If you also have the master gun workstation, these click in there as well. They already have the block that was on the master gun workstation, so they knew this was coming out. Um, I got to play with these things at shot, and now I have a set and I absolutely love these things. Man, as you start getting older, well, yeah, gotta start magnifying. My glasses only do so much. So that's what's really great about this. You can see what you're doing. You can light it up, and in the cell phone holder, man, you can just pop that cell phone right in there and then watch one of my videos as I walk you through the disassembly and reassembly of your firearm. Super cool product. I have a link down below. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That video is about how to take your standard AR and convert it to a takedown model. Super cool product. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. And look forward to talking to you again soon.